If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up! This it's the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Apostles. We're back. Pac-12 Apostles. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. We got a lot to talk about, people. We got a lot to talk about. But, of course, we always have to catch you up on... What has been going on? Uh, so what, what's been up with you, Ralph, since last episode? Well, I don't know uh, what things are like out where you're at, but here in the southeast, we are experiencing record heat, uh, which triggered an early spring. So gardens blooming, trees are blooming um, two months earlier than they should have, which means everything's probably going to get killed off again when it gets cold in the uh, in, in, in March. So it's been kind of wild. Uh, everything's green. There's bees and birds. There was a mole that I caught in my, in my yard yesterday. They don't even wake up until spring. We got, uh, toads hopping around because their hibernation ended early. It's like, uh, uh th- there are some weather anomalies <laughs> happening and uh, I, I heard it might be the same out by you. Yeah. Well, well, first thing is, yo, did you, um, did you create a fraud situation over there at your at your your house? I sent you the video of the of the dude and the frog and the fence. Yeah, so I uh every once in a while a TikTok comes along that you have to watch about 50 times. <laughs> and you sent that one to me last night and it's like a guy with a 3D printer who found a frog in his fence and he built it a home. And then other frogs came and he built them homes and then a possum came and he built them a place to stay. Um, it is incredible what some people can do <laughs> with their with their free time. That is a that that is that's something that would like make people download TikTok and then everything else on TikTok would make you immediately 
uh, <laughs> remove it from your phone. Dude, I'm getting into TikTok, bro. Getting into TikTok because um, apparently there's a lot of useful information and cool, cool stories on there that's different than uh, reels. Because like my kids don't watch Instagram. They they are. And I became an Instagram watcher and now I'm slowly integrating into TikTok. Instagram's but- ruined. Instagram is complete. Like it, it's all suggested posts. So if yeah. you got if you got an Instagram for the purpose of following your friends and family and people that you're interested in, too too bad. <laughs> Almost dropped the f bomb right there. Too too bad because uh, it's just what Mark Zuckerberg wants you to see instead of what you actually were choosing to to follow. Uh, I went through. My son just got Instagram. He's 14, and I went through his feed, and one in every six posts is somebody he follows. One in six. The rest are suggestions or ads. The ads, I don't mind, but like we're really subjecting. And I know people are going to say, well, you're a terrible parent for letting your kid on Instagram. It's on my phone. Like I'm it's on my phone. I'm monitoring it. But like the whole thing is that, that I promise you that is not what parents are going to say to you, because uh, some of these parents are letting their kids run, run, run wild on uh, on Bill Gates interweb. So, right. That, that's what I'm saying is people are so mad at the school, the school systems indoctrinating my kids. Meanwhile, your kids over on Instagram, like Zuckerberg's just putting whatever he wants in their feed, at least on TikTok, you know exactly what you're getting, which is like content from everywhere sent to you based on an algorithm. I think that's why people sign up for TikTok. I think that's the point of TikTok. Instagram is supposed to be the stuff that you chose to follow. Twitter's getting like that, too. Uh, this yeah. is turning into like an old man get off my lawn thing, but. <laughs> well for for me been kind of busy been hitting up a couple colleges on visits been to colorado colorado so, State. I, I, so you're going back to school no no, no absolutely <laughs> not my my now 17 year old son we are doing the whole recruiting thing he's picked up a few offers We've been visiting places. A lot of places are interested because he's a because he's a kid. I, I wouldn't call him a late bloomer. Would, would you call him a late bloomer? No. I, no. <laughs> like, like I don't even know what to call him because he was, I guess, late to playing. He didn't play his first tackle football game till 2021. And now he's a junior. So it's like, so it's like in an experience, he's new, but in talent, he's not new. Like, but he like, played basketball at a high level. Yeah. He's at it. He was out at Sierra Canyon. Uh, baseball, Bryce yeah. James, and and baseball. You said was one of his favorite sports, and he played yeah. that for a long time. So yeah, he just was, wasn't. He wasn't locked in. I don't think that's late bloomer. I think that's that's exactly what every coach in America is telling you to do: is to like make sure your kid doesn't specialize, make sure they have an appreciation for. Uh, the way that you use different muscle groupings and stuff like that. Your son did the thing that you're supposed to do, but because nobody does what you're supposed to do, it makes your son look like he's behind the eight ball, which in the recruiting game can be tough because a lot of these quarterbacks get their biggest offers as sophomores that yes. have to live up to them. Your son's going into the spring of after his junior year and his stuff is just starting to ramp up. Yeah. yeah. And I'm actually kind of happy about that, to be honest. I, it, it just creates a lot less pressure. I mean, he probably feels some pressure in terms of, oh, man, I want these offers, this, this, this. But at the same time, like worst case scenario, he goes to Old Dominion or Yale. 
Like, like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> like, like that's the floor right now. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure that you spent a lot of you're, you're somebody who kind of uh, more so than me, and you, and you've, you've <laughs> probably worked with me on this, but you like envision what the future could be like, and you put yourself in that situation so that when it arises, you're not surprised. For me, every yes. day is an adventure. <laughs> but like oh, for no. you, you, you do a good job. Some people call it manifesting. Some people just you know setting goals or whatever. But your your son is going through some of the stuff that you envisioned would be happening at yep. this point. Maybe not at the speed that you thought it would be happening. Maybe not some of the same schools that you thought would be involved. But you're you're in it. You you were in it mentally a while back, and now you're actually in it physically. Is it what is it like being a a, a uh, big time recruits dad, right? Like what, what is that well, experience like for you? Okay. So I don't know what the, f- <clears throat> I guess I've been around enough five stars now to understand what their life is like <laughs> to like, understand what, what his life is like. You know what I mean? And so for Damon, I kind of take the lead kind of with the recruiting stuff the way he doesn't have to, like he doesn't mind talking to the coaches. And there are some kids that just love it, right? That love the process, love talking to the coaches every day. And he's like, hey, yo, dad, just just, uh, tell me where we're going and we'll go. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, And I mean, I talked to him about what schools he's interested in, teams he wants to throw for, stuff that he actually wants, right? And then my job is to figure out how to either make that happen or to direct the path to to where it is, because there's because there's some people in the recruiting game that are so hyper focused on the name on the front or the back of the jersey. Like that, you know, big state, (laughs) they want to go to. USC only or UCLA or Oregon or, or, you know, Florida state, Ohio state, Alabama. And if you end up at Colorado state or you end up at rice or you end up like that, they feel like that's a failure. You know, they end up at Mississippi state instead of, you know, uh, LSU, they feel like that's a failure or some kind of reflection on them as a parent. Like that they didn't do a good job. Oh, my God, my kid's at Houston instead of Texas. That's fine. He all He's winning. And if you look at that as a blessing instead of looking at it as a disappointment, I mean, all their hard work, it didn't go in vain. And truth be told, they are no further away from their dream. If their dream is to be a professional athlete, they are no further away from it at Houston then they are at Alabama. I mean, th- and that's what, like, they're no further away from their dream at North Dakota State, which has had two quarterbacks taken. They they have one. Te- wait, where Trey Trey Lance was number two, right? Three overall, I think. Yeah. So I think they've had Carson Wentz. Went one. Yeah. Oh, Wentz went two. Two. Okay. Yeah. So like, you're no further away from your dream at North Dakota State. Than you are at USC because bunch of quarterbacks that came through USC recently name, they, they ain't been number two overall. So, so I, and that's the thing is that if, if we can get comfortable as parents, making sure that our kid goes where they fit and chasing coaching 
and the best college experience, then that's where you win. Like it's not about the jersey on the front or the back of the of the of the of the thing. And so that's something that I've constantly reiterated to my to my son is yo, we we're not worried about the logo, buddy. We are going to get like it's nice to feel wanted by the logos, but even bigger than that, it's more important that that he gets to the optimal place for him. The way we don't have to hop in the portal, the way we don't have to, you know, do any of that. Get where yeah, you need I mean, to be. Think about it. You you got some vacation time. You worked your ass off. You you accrue some vacation time. You decide you want to take the family to a theme park. You could go to Disneyland. You could get those Mickey Mouse ears. You could wait in line with everybody else. But if that weekend, you know for a fact, there's not a single soul at Knott's Berry Farms, except for the people that are there to strap you in and put you on those roller coasters, where are you going to have a better time? Knott's Berry Farm. Right, because you, we, as long as there are, as long as there are roving packs of wild kids, start right. fishing, really, but like, but like that, that, that's the truth. Is like, yeah, yeah, you want to be able to tell people you went to Disneyland, you want to pose for a picture, put on an Instagram with the mouse ears or whatever. But where are you going to have a better time? Like, yep. where, where is all of the work that you put put in to get you to this point? Where is it going to pay off the most? I rocked two schools. My mom went to University of Wyoming. I had multiple uncles go to University of Wyoming. I went to Arizona State. My wife went to Arizona State. I love them both. There are more people in the NFL from Wyoming than there are Arizona State. Yeah. That's just the, that, that's the fact of the matter. So, like, and, and does Josh Allen end up, what, what was he, the 10th pick in the draft? Seventh, I think. Seven. Does he end up the seventh pick in the draft if he goes to – Ohio State, or do we never hear about him? That's yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. It it depends. He he kind of opened the door for a guy like Anthony Richardson to not have the greatest stats in the world and be looked at as a top overall pick based on. But on, I think that uh, that's talent. different. I I and and you're come and you're talking to a guy who was completely wrong about Josh Josh Allen and. But comparing Anthony Richardson, because I went back and watched some Josh Allen tape, his wide receiver, he was completely outmatched on the outside every time he played a good team. When they played Oregon, when they played other good teams, his players were completely outmatched. That's why he looked so bad. Yeah. And and Anthony Richardson, they want to make him Josh Allen. But as was Florida's talent as good on the outside as it was? I mean, as it usually is? No. But... They weren't outmatched to that level. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the no, Ricky, that's the Ricky issue. Pearsall, Ricky Pearsall would have been the best receiver that Josh Allen ever had. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a that's a difference. But I my whole thing is like if but if you go somewhere where you actually get to play, get to face adversity, get to overcome it, maybe be in some elements, but you get to play, right? Yep. You get reps. That's that's super important. Um and that doesn't mean that you have to go to a lower level school. You should just go where where it's the best fit. But these coaches, these coaches will say things they don't believe to get you in the door. Yes. They really will. And, and if, you know, what's funny is, you know. See, I wonder, though, kid, too, if they approach me differently <clears throat> than they do some other parents. I wonder if my probably, conversation with some coaches is different than than other parents probably i 
well, what do you think the question is that parents who don't have the experience that you had, what do you think their primary question is for a position coach or coordinator or head coach? Um, what do you think the it, What do you think the burning question is when if if it's right. a place they know that they're interested in, they know that their kids interested in, and there's mutual interest on that side, and you could ask one question. What do you think those parents are asking? Ooh, now nowadays nil or playing time. One of the one of the two. I think maybe that's what dads are asking. That's not what moms are asking. Moms are asking, are are you going to take care of my kid? Are you going to take care of my kid? 100% of the time. That is, that is the only thing or the predominant thing that they are concerned with. Are you going to, and take care could mean a million different things depending on who you are and your situation. But I think that's the overarching concern of most parents going into this who don't have the experience you have of being a recruit of going through this process, not in the social media era, but you still yeah. went through the process you, and, and you've been alongside Harlan Rashada as Jaden Rashada went through everything. You, you know, Bryce Young's dad really well. You, you, yep. you know, Nico's family, you've been around uh, all these people. Yeah. Um, there are people who go in saying like, no, this is what my son needs to succeed. I'm going to give you the book on my son and you, you you take it and run with it. I'm going to give you the baton. You take it and run with it. But I think most parents are just like, hey, is my son going to be okay in your program? And every coach is going to be like, of course. But yeah. that's not yeah, the truth. Facts. And me, I feel like I can see through some of that because understanding the situations and the landscape and where where coaches are maybe in their career – they're knowing the the hot seats, the, the the temperature of the universities, having some insights because a bunch of players that I played with and against are coaches now that I can pick up the, the phone and talk to. Yeah. So so it is very interesting to see how all of this really shakes, shake, shakes out. But then but then one of the biggest questions is, is, you know, like what these coaches really think about you and necessarily your situation. And part of that was the Deion Sanders comments, right? Yeah. Um, well, which ones <laughs> we gotta, we gotta clarify yeah. because it seems like he's become, uh, quite a lightning rod. Um, and I, you know, I think he, he definitely puts himself in a situation where, you know, he demands, a certain level of attention based on, on his history. He knows that the stuff he says is going to make news or be misconstrued intentionally or unintentionally. He knows all that stuff. Um, so what, which comments are you referring to? Oh, the one about the, 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 the ones about the parents, like, like what he's looking for from certain position groups. Talk okay, about so like the, a quarterback needs to be a two, two parent home high GPA, but your but your, your defensive lineman got to have a s- single mama go to bed hungry, uh, w- trying to buy their mama house. That yes. whole thing. Yes. That was <clears throat> now that rubbed people 100% the wrong, the wrong way altogether. I understand why people are upset about Dion's comments because it feels like an attack on 
black families to some people. And I, I like he didn't say that at all. It's like as soon as somebody says something about single mothers or anything like that, they automatically associate that with black folks. But that ain't the case. That is not the case. And if you look at Dion's situation, his kids didn't grow up in a two parent home in the way that it comes across and the way that people took it. But I believe the way that Dion meant it was that that you want them to be em- coming from an emotionally healthy and stable home. That way they don't have to worry about the outside stuff like they don't feel as much pressure to go get it. You know what I mean? Because there's already enough pressure at the quarterback position. Okay, but there's grievance merchants out there who are looking for reasons to be upset every single day. Sometimes Deion Sanders comes in, he gives them a free meal, right? Like that, but you're in a different situation. You have a son who's a 17 year old quarterback who's been out to Boulder. It's on his list. You like Colorado. You cover the Pac-12. You hear Dion say this. When it first hit your ear, did you have to go through the thought process of like, oh, is he talking about me? Yes. Yes, I did, because we have a blended family. And it's and that's the reason why I, I guess some people were, were were triggered because the media narrative is, oh, so many unwed black black mothers. And and the statistics show that 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 there are more in terms of a higher percentage of unwed black mothers than there are white white mothers, right? However, however, when you look at the amount of black fathers who are involved in their kids' life on a very high level, that number is like it it, it skews the thing because it's not just that fathers are completely absent. For instance, we have a blended family. I I'm I'm with my kids <laughs> like in, like in some sort of c- c- capacity 4 or 5 days a week, every single week. Or or that entire week. You see what I'm saying? Cuz we do a week on week off situ- situation. But then I see them at practice. I see them at their games. We talk. I was just at, like for instance, he's with his mom this week. I was at him with at his doctor's appointment this this morning. So it's so I understand everybody's circumstance is different, but you but you know my son and you know our situation was Dion talking to to us because he's a kid that doesn't get in trouble, just got an offer from Yale. Grades are really good. He's a leader. All of it works really hard. So was he was Dion talking to me and my family? I didn't feel that way. And when you I didn't you feel call, that way either. You called me and you're like it. Would he consider me to be a two parent home? I was like, you probably consider yours to be a four parent home. You you have like the it takes a a a village mentality, like what parenting used to be when we were a little bit more you know tribal up before the last few hundred years or whatever. But I, here's here's my thing: a blended family can often represent the best of what a family can be. Because yep. in order to have a functional blended family, you have to operate with grace. Grace is the only thing that keeps a a, a family together. Yes, right? that's a fact, Jack. The blended family that I grew up in might as well have been put it in a blender family because it was <laughs> chaos, right? It's, yeah. it, it's better. It's certainly and, and, better. And, and, at, and at sometimes now, a nuclear but, family, a traditional nuclear family can be a blender, too. Or or a nuclear bomb family. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it really just depends on. And so I think that it. 
people take things personally. They process things personally. Maybe take things personally gives the wrong connotation. Like I did say that people do look to get offended, but there's people that were offended that don't look to get offended because they process things personally. When they when they say like oh we so does Dion think that there's something wrong with me or my family or my well, Patrick, situation or Patrick my, Mahomes' my parents together? I don't know. Uh, I I don't know, but I do know that like there are quarterbacks that people pointed to saying like oh Dion wouldn't take C.J. Stroud. Well, yeah, because his father went to went to jail when when he was in when when he was in like yeah. <clears throat> early high school or right before high school started. And but conversely, he said he wants single mom, hungry dog, D lineman, which is how I've heard every coach talk in private that has those types of you. I've not every coach in the world, but like I hear enough coaches talk like that in private to know that Dion's just saying publicly the, what. Yeah. The quiet part believe. out loud. And, yeah. and now that does, does that mean he wouldn't take Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson? Right, so, JJ Watt. Yeah. So so here is the situation. And I want people, uh, hopefully people can hear it the right way, is that in certain positions, particularly at quarterback, you do want a kid that gets good grades in, in school because you want him to be set, because it's an indication. It's not always right, but it's an indication typically that you are self-motivated, that you're organized, that you kind of know how to handle your uh, time and energy. And then you're not riff riffraffing because if you are getting, getting your grades, if you have a very high GPA, you're probably missing out on some of the parties, some of the things that to, to make sure that your schoolwork is where it needs to be. So that's the first thing. Second thing is with the amount of pressure that comes at the quarterback position, the amount of good decisions that have to be made, the leadership that you do have to display that. I mean, and how many studies show that kids that come from two parent homes are typically, you, you know, that you're more likely to not get arrested. You're more likely to not do drugs like that, that yes, there are outliers to all statistics, but that those things are, kind of a good jumping off point to like, to like, to help like that, that that should be your template and not necessarily your, like your criteria, if that makes sense. Of course. And, and I want, I want people to say like, Oh, does that mean that like single moms or single dads can't do the job? And it's not, it's not like that. It's that single parent homes are often no parent homes because you have to take care of your family, which takes you away from your family. Yeah. That's, that's the burden. I mean, that's, that's the burden of parenthood and the blessing of, of, of COVID, which put a lot of people in situations, situations that might be driving them insane. But like, I love being around my kids and I love being around my wife. And since, people have been allowed to work from home. I see my kids and I see my wife all day, every day. Do they like it as much as me? Probably not. But like, I love, I love it. Right. I love just spending the time with them, getting to be around them. Cause they're not always going to be here. They age quick. When you and I started doing shows together, your oldest was the age that my two oldest are. Right. And it happened yep. so fast. And so, you know what? I just, I just want 
people to understand that like it seemed like he was doing a comedy bit. Most comedy bits have one foot in truth, one foot in stereotype. And, you know, is he going to take a two parent home five star D lineman? Of course. Yep. If the best quarterback in the country's dad got cancer when he was five and passed away or mom's incarcerated, is he going to take that quarterback if he's a good fit at Colorado? Of course. A lot of the stuff that Dion says you have to take with a grain of salt. But if any other quarterback, if any other coach in the country is saying this stuff, we're probably not talking about it as much because Dion just commands this attention. There's 30,000 people going to Colorado spring game, George. Wow. How many games did they not have 30,000 people at their actual games? <laughs> probably probably at least half of their home games. It's it, the effect that he's having on Colorado football is enormous and I applaud Colorado for taking this risk, but it is a risk. He does talk like a youth football coach who is coaching at the highest level. He's very informal with the stuff he says, but I will say that when he told those players face, like when he faces and he said, I'm going to, some of you guys aren't going to be here. That's how coaches talk. Well, when he talked about it, the type of when it, cause it comes down to like, if you have two players of equal talent, you're going to start looking at peripheral things. And in a meeting room, if it's NFL scouts or if it's college coaches, they're going to say, what's his home life? Like, well, how yep. is dealing with his parents? Are they, are they okay to deal with? Are they going to stay out of our way, like they go through all these peripheral things. They're much more serious, non-flippant conversations like this one appeared to be. But, you know, he's going to continue to say things and people are going to continue to 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 be weirded out by the way the way he does things. But he's not alone on an island. Dion is. a, and, And here's the other part that people really have to understand about Dion Sanders. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dion's about Dion. Yes. Like, like that, 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 like, yes, he will help other people along the way, but this is about the brand of Coach Prime. That, yes. that, that, and that, yes, he wants to win. Yes, he wants to help people while he's there. Like, 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 I do believe that he does have a heart to help people, that he's well intentioned. But at the end of the day, Dion gonna make the best decision for Dion. Yes. And everybody knows someone or knows of someone that is delusional. They have delusions of grandeur, right? Deion Sanders has realities of grandeur. <laughs> That's a fact. <clears throat> That's he a make, fact. He, and, and he makes it happen. He's the head coach of Co- University of Colorado. Yes. Deion Sanders is the head yes. coach of a Pac-12 football team. Not even 10 years after. Yes. Not even 10 years after. You know everything going going weird <laughs> over at Prime over Prime, at Prime Prime blowing Prime. up. Yeah, yeah. That's that it, is wild. Incredible, <laughs> incredible. Yes. All right. Um, now the Pac-12 survival of the conference. I, I think the conference is on life support at this point point in time with the media rights deal. And you're trying to pull the plug. I saw your Twitter. What do you What do you mean? You said it's time to go. It is. For for Oregon and Washington, it's time to go. I, 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 you, do you understand that Wilner, who is super plugged in, who's been on this program multiple times, yeah. has talked about the number for the conference is probably high 20s. High $20 million a year? You can't even pay the freaking coaching staff. You can't pay the coaching staff, support staff, and all of that at 20-some million dollars. How are you supposed to keep coaches when you got to pay them $3 million a year? And then the next year after they have success and show promise, uh, here comes Rutgers. Man, like, hey, yo, hey, yo, we'll pay you six and a half million. And your staff will get double their salaries too. And the whole building is going to walk out the building, except for the guy who gets the head coaching job. And the, and the guys who are lower level that get, you know, promoted to OC and DC. Everybody else is going out the door. <clears throat> and we've heard rumors about Ion TV, Apple TV, all of this. And I am Ion, not a po- Ion TV home of Law and Order SVU, by the way. Yeah, and you did a deep dive on what's on Ion T- TV. So tell the, tell the people for those who don't know what's on Ion T- TV, even though it's available on most providers, what's on it? 
there are days when they have several days a week, not just days. There are several days a week when they have 10 hour marathons of either blue bloods, which is a Tom, Tom Selleck show, I believe like a police procedure. Yes. And if, and, and Tom Selleck is like Brad Pitt for octogenarians. <laughs> My grandfather, if he was still alive, he'd be in his 80s. That man loved Tom Selleck. So that's Blue Bloods. And then Law & Order SVU, which has been on for like 23 years. Yeah. So we're talking about reruns where Richard Belzer was still alive and and didn't have to color his hair. (laughs) That's 10 hours a day of that, followed by Washington State at Oregon State. Yeah. You're like, what, what is the lead in? <laughs> you know what I mean? What is the lead in? And, and, and then there's the Apple TV, which is significantly more intriguing, right? Yes. And I heard Josh Pate talk about this and I responded to his tweet. He said that, listen, you guys can stop. It's not going to all streaming sports. Live sports will never go to all streaming. And I tweeted him. I said, hold on. I think you're co- confusing streaming only with the medium that the that they are delivered in. So Comcast, um, DirecTV, other providers like that, they are dying slowly, but they are being re- replaced by streaming only options, which are like Hulu TV and YouTube TV. They are tradition. I mean, there there's no difference between Hulu TV, YouTube TV and Comcast or Direct TV, except for the ease and accessibility, like there, there, there literally is no difference. So when you say streaming only, it's not just like it's. Is it available on television per providers? Like, do I think that live sports in the near future will be on? That you could have NBA games only on Peacock or only on ESPN Plus? No, no, because that limits the amount of eyeballs that can see it. But do I believe that they will be available on all of them? Absolutely. That they will come up with some partnership for live sports like the Big Ten has done with Peacock, NBC, all of that, because Peacock is NBC. Yeah. I think the Pac-12 is afraid of jumping into the streaming pool for a couple of reasons. And you you brought up the high the high 20 millions and the funniest thing about that is like imagine you live on a block where everybody has a Hummer, right? And you save and you save and you save so you can keep up with the Joneses. And finally one day you come home with a Hummer. And you park it in the driveway and you look around and everybody has a Tesla. And you look over and gas is five dollars a gallon. <laughs> like, that's, no, that's no, no, no. gas is sixty dollars a gallon. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's the position I feel like the Pac twelve is in right now. Well, I think one of the reasons they're afraid to go all in with a with a streaming provider, which is what I would do in the, in an attempt to just save the conference. I, I would I would not. It, it's like the, that's the problem is that maybe Oregon State and Washington State would go for that. But if you're Oregon and Washington who are premier brands out in the country, right? Yeah. Why on earth would you sign up for that for such little money? Because the most important ability in in sports for the Pac-12 at this point in time is availability. And we've talked about that because I had said that I would just give stuff away for free at this point. Because, But what I think the Pac-12 is afraid of is the real numbers. 
Because when they talk about Pac-12 Network, they talk about the homes it's available in, not who's watching it. Correct. Not who is watching it. They are basically saying like, hey, and we I've said this a million times, there are like six Applebee's and an airport in Orlando that are still open at two in the morning and have Pac-12 network on because there's nothing else to have on. Those count. But that's not active viewership, and that's Correct. not doing anything for you. Your concern always should have been access in your footprint. It's and the thing that's we yelled, why we yelled at Larry SEC Scott for five years before he took was over. ousted. Yes. Yes. CBS. Yep. The channel that your TV is just on. <laughs> when yes, you, exactly. When you magically turn it on. Exactly. CBS. Like, like getting on... Like Larry Scott's biggest crime, what his two biggest crimes were. Number one, because like you could have dealt with the length of the contract, everything, because you had Washington and Oregon make the college football playoff, right? So you could have dealt with the length of the contract if, if either one of two things had happened. If you had done whatever you needed to do to close Texas and Oklahoma, which was essentially give Texas, the Longhorn Network. Okay? So that would have been one thing. And the second biggest crime was not getting on direct TV. Because whatever deal that you needed to make for the Pac-12 networks to get on direct TV, that's what you needed to, to do. The idiocy of saying, Oh man, yeah, but we're we're gonna own a hundred percent of our media rights. What good? Do I, how long have I been saying this, Ralph? What year did we meet? We have been doing stuff, I think, since like 2018. Okay, so five freaking years. I've been screaming this at the clouds. So if I could see this coming, why couldn't the president see it coming? Why? I mean, I mean, I, 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 I do fashion my, my, myself as a forward thinker. I'm technology driven, but I can't be the only one that saw this. Or, or, or can I be the only person who saw this in 2018? And then when the SEC signed that deal with ESPN two, three years ago, I was like, it's over. It, it is literally over. You better go get CBS right now if you're the Pac-12. Like, fuck this contract. We we the Pac-12 networks are not making money. They will be fine if you can pay them because if you can pay to get out of a grant of rights, like Texas and Oklahoma did early, you can pay to get out of these uh, Pac-12 network contracts because it ain't nearly that much money. They wanted they wanted to spend that money on rent. Yes. Oh, the 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 rent on the building. Like the craziest part, if if you guys don't remember the Pac-12 building that they were in in San Francisco, they signed a lease, right? And as soon as they signed the lease, the building was immediately sold. And turns out the Pac-12 paid more rent in those 10 years than the building actually cost. So then you could have had an asset that you could have sold for $200 million now instead of instead of paying $90 million in rent like dummies. Right. And then you had the SEC commissioner making like 
eight times less than Larry Scott for salary. When you talk about like, you're like Larry Scott's two biggest crimes. We're out here building a Rico case. <laughs> it's, like he, uh, it, It's tough too, because, you know, I, I listen to other Pac-12 podcasts. I listen to other people who comment and talk about the Pac-12 regularly. And they, everyone's kind of always got this question of like, at what point do we start holding George Clinton? I was just going to ask uh, that. Uh, accountable for not being able to uh, uh, um, adequately land the plane that Larry Scott uh, pointed directly at the ground before he jumped out. It was the 10 feet off the ground when he, when, when, when he took control of the plane, there was nothing he could do to keep USC and UCLA. They left like 30 minutes after, after literally like 30 minutes after he took the job, he, you were like, Oh damn, they gone. So, yeah. So at that, and then people are like, well, you could have merged with the Big 12. The Big 12 wasn't going to merge with the Pac-12. What about now? Do you think, we would, see, ba- Baylor's talking about maybe taking uh, their Baylor's president. I don't know if you have that quote, but the, he, they were talking about po- the possibility of maybe taking more teams or. Yes. I don't know. If because they're about, talking like, about them merger. damn corner schools. They're talking about uh, uh, Utah. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. But Arizona State won't move unless Arizona moves. But which is which is weird because you wouldn't think that Arizona would be more powerful than Arizona State, but I guess the basketball thing kind of uh yeah, gives them it, an edge. This is the thing that breaks my heart about the Arizona Arizona sports media. Um I uh, of of which I was one for a long time. They're soft as hell. I'm out here in Charlotte. Kevin Durant debuts tonight. There is one member of the media that traveled that isn't like a beat reporter for Kevin Durant's debut. Name any other major American city where Kevin Durant was having a debut where one media member would show up. It's it's non-existent. Phoenix Medium has always been like Charmin, Charmin, Charmin Soft, which allows people in power to get away with a whole lot. And the idea that no one out here is trying to hold Michael Crow accountable for the fact that he is the one who held up Larry Scott for years and aggressively. So talking down to people who would ask about whether or not, you know, the, the, uh, the conference should move on from somebody who is actively harming them. Um, And even, even, I mean, look, look at something as wild as Herm Edwards probably quit. Right after they got beat by Eastern Michigan, he probably yeah. quit. Um, he most likely quit. When you quit, you don't get any money. But Ray Anderson, the athletic director, said that it was a mutual agreement and they paid him half of what he was owed. So Herm Edwards probably quit and they gave him millions of dollars, even though he was owed absolutely nothing. He wrecked and ravaged the program through negligence that was enabled by Ray Anderson. I put this on Ray Anderson way more than I do on, on, on Herm Edwards, but Ray Anderson made sure that his friend and former client was paid out after probably quitting. And then any time it has arisen that Kenny Dillingham might be a good hire, Ray Anderson says, well, you know, I, I'm, I knew we had to make that move. So I made it. So now he's implying that he fired her. If he fired her, he owes him twice as much money as he got paid. There's nobody in Arizona to ask any of these questions. And I would love, 
I would love for somebody in the Arizona media to put the screws to the president of Arizona State University because if ASU does, if ASU jumps ship, they're all following. Yep. Because that's the thing about being last in line is when you decide to be first, everybody else was already ready to go. Yeah. So if Arizona State makes the decision to put the nail in the coffin of this conference after actively participating to kill the conference through their leadership, like that's something that people should have been calling bullshit on all along. And I've just never, I've never seen it happen. And it's, it's very, very frustrating to me, but you don't, so you don't see it as like, an, well, what about this ACC thing? Oh, with, with the potential merger with the ACC. Right. Not, not going to happen. Not going to happen, bro. Like, I mean, I guess that's a last ditch life raft. Because the because the AC like if you are Oregon and Washington, well actually if you are every other team except for Oregon and Washington, okay, yeah, you're gonna get paid in the thirties of millions per per year, but you're still gonna be uh like fifty percent less than the Big Ten and the the Big Ten in the SEC. But okay, that's that's reasonable. But if you are Oregon and Washington, why on earth would you get into another grant of rights that's that's through 2036? Like yeah, it's that, literally the that's worse than the situation that you just came out of. Throwing you bad might money as well. Bad. Yes. And, and Florida State already wants out. Like they're calculating costs of like, ooh, if we spend $120 million to get out, can we get our grant of rights with that? $120 million because it would be more beneficial to them to pay $120 million to get out of a contract and go to the SEC. And the Pac-12 talk or people talking about the Pac-12 are talking about like, yeah, let's jump into that situation. The one yeah. that the one of the cornerstone schools of the ACC. Florida. Is, is yeah. Where Florida State of. and Clemson want out and North Carolina all one out. Yeah. Here, I love I love the conference. Uh, it's sort of being ruined by the L.A. schools leaving, but I think you could survive with the addition of a couple of decent schools. I think San Diego State and SMU could be those schools. I really do. Oh, God. Ralph. I, I don't think they save. No, I don't think they save the conference. I, I think that like they that they. Um, <laughs> they it, it'd be it'd be like hospice. <laughs> for the Do conference. you realize that even if USC and UCLA were here in the conference, right? Yeah. Yes, there would be a media deal done, but it would not. It still would not even come close to what it needs to be. That's true. For and the so upper it, tier teams. Here is he, here is the, the simple fact. I'm going to put it as simply as I possibly can. University of Oregon and University of Washington and University of Utah have every right to believe that their football team on television is worth Vanderbilt on television, Purdue on television, Iowa State on television. Yes. They have every right and reason to believe that. And because they have every right and reason to believe that, it's possible that the death of our conference is imminent. Oregon has every right to believe that they are as valuable as a television property as Purdue. Yeah, that's nothing against Purdue. I'm saying they have every right to think they're equal. Yep. 
You are 100% right, bro. 100% right. And maybe not everybody else has the right to think that way that's going to be left in the Pac 12 after the LA schools leave, but certainly Arizona basketball. Certainly Arizona basketball has to believe that they are worth what any other school in the country is worth. That's the way they treat themselves. Yeah, there there are there are more reasons to leave than reasons to stay right now, which brings us to the statement the we're all united statement that was put out by. By the the 10 pack 12 schools that are left. Yeah. Uh, Who was that for? George Klyakov's ego, dude, anytime you put out a statement of of like, like that's like the dreaded vote of confidence from the general manager. Any statement of any kind is typically bad. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, unless you're m- making a statement, we extended Kirby smart today. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's I think mean, about like- in your own household, like here, here's my statement on why uh, I ate your pint of Ben and Jerry's and mine over the last week. you're not issuing a statement on how you didn't (laughs) right like you're typically in trouble if you're having to issue some kind of a Uh, a, this is very true this is very very Um, true and so i don't get it who is it for it added nothing it gave us absolutely nothing it was basically just said nothing's changed why did we need everybody's signatures on that is that for tv networks to let them know like hey we're we're not breaking up. If you want to invest, come invest. Well, and if, why can't if you, those negotiations be done behind closed doors? Well, now, okay. So we know that Fox is out, right? We know that ESPN is definitely out. They have plenty of inventory. Like, like, like they don't even want you for the late games because now the big the, the Big Twelve can take all the late games. Like, you don't have options at this point because you weren't pro proactive. So. I guess we can finish this part of the conversation of what's the finish line. Well, you, I just want to clarify. You're saying you would rather die than stream. Um, I, I no, 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 no. If I'm, if I'm the conference, no, I would not rather die than stream. I'm saying that as a person who loves the PAC 12 with all my heart, right? But also loves Oregon a little bit more, right? So, I mean, at some point it com- comes out for self preservation. USC and UCLA took the lifeboat already. They took the first escape hatch, and now I, I wish that Oregon and Washington, who who are bitter rivals, right? I've been very vocal about how I feel about Washington. Like for instance, Jen Cohen is now on the college football playoff committee. And I'm like, oh man, she ain't gonna vote for Oregon. But you know what? At this point in point in point in time, she has to believe, just like all Oregon fans have to believe and all Washington fans have to believe, because I've been on Twitter de- defending Washington when when people are like, oh, they're not a brown. Yes, they are a major Browns. Shut your face. Because this is a East Coast, West Coast. This is Crips and Bloods treaty right right here. We must act in like 
like there's a difference between an ally and what a, a, a friend. Like we are aligned for this moment in time on this one subject. And then after that, we'll get back to it. Right. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And right now the ultimate enemy is irrelevance. Yes. Yep. It's so, it's irrelevance. So I, what so what do you think the finish line looks like now that we have presidents talking? I about hate that question. That I hate that question because of- when you say finish line, it's like, what do you think our last breath looks like? No, 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 <laughs> screaming no. while falling off a cliff. Like, <laughs> no, I'm asking, what do you think the finish line looks like? Because we've had presidents saying that the middle of March is kind of the deadline. So what do you think happens in the middle of, well, actually March 31st, where will we be at? Well, Ray Anderson said that he hoped that this would be settled in the next couple of weeks. So I, I don't could... listen to anything Ray Ray Anderson says in terms of dude. <laughs> he'll oh he'll my God. go post quickly. You figure he'd be invested, man. It's a Stanford graduate, ASU president. I he, he seems tired. He just seems tired of it all. Um, okay, so let's forget what he said. Although it does match up with the timeline that you presented, uh, if things are not done before the tournament tips, I I would say let's start writing the obituary. Yeah. What does it mean? Can you help me understand what it means if they don't come to some type of agreement for for media rights? Is that, I think do, that do some teams in the conference just have to look to turn the page? And if they publicly look to turn the page, did they lose leverage? Or do you think there's already backroom contingency stuff in place? Because if you're if you're not, and this is why I don't like the statement of the 10 colleges, because if you're not already looking for your backup plan, you're in trouble because you will lose any leverage that you have. On saying that, like, yeah, I'm committed to seeing what the Pac-12 is going to do, but if it doesn't reach my number, I am going to go with you. If you do it in any order but that exact thing, then you give every other conference out there the right to say, like, we're going to put you on a five-year escalator. Yes, exactly. So, I, so are you saying that it's possible Oregon and Washington already know that if the Pac-12 – because this is what makes me wonder – has the Pac-12 not announced a new TV deal because it doesn't meet that threshold that will keep other teams in this conference? That, to me, feels like the only thing that would delay this moving forward. Unless it is just the cold, hard truth is that no one cares about this conference at all. Yeah. But this is live sports, and it's live sports in a time slot that's Yeah, premium. but there's no, bro, bro, it's not a premium time slot. There are no... Do you do you understand that you that the SEC is taking up pretty much all the oxygen on ESPN and ABC? They've paid too much money. You the CBS game of the week is now going to be the the ABC game of the week. Um, we have Fox and the Big Big Ten taking up a lot of oxygen, and CBS already already gone too. So. The question is, where is there a a home? And now the only way to go is to join somebody else. And, and, And if you're Oregon and Washington, you have to make a move first, right? Because 
if the corner schools leave and go to the Big 12, if they're like, forget it, we're we're out, right? Yeah. Now you're screwed because the SEC or the Big 10, they'll be like, yeah, come on, come on, come on. But uh, listen, you you see the way our, our, our pockets is set up. We we can't give you a hundred percent. We might be to give you like fifty five. You know. Do you know what I would do if I was George Klyavkov? And I know what? this would never work. And I I know it's a pipe dream. I get it. You could criticize it all you want. I would call the Mountain West and I would say, let's set up a promotion to relegation league. Nobody else has anything like it. Nothing like it. It would only be for football. We would we would have uh, agreements to play in every other sport, but not every Mountain West school has sports. That every Pac-12 school has. But I would say let, let's enter into a promotion and relegation agreement where the top two teams in the Mountain West get bumped up, and the bottom two teams in the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever, whatever it may be, go down. It is the only thing that I could see that would make the Pac-12 unique and stand out add a level of risk that networks would possibly want to get behind. It, that's the only thing I could come up with is if the idea that you have Washington state, I keep bringing up Washington. Let's say Washington state and Colorado are playing in November and the loser is going to have to go to the mountain West for a year. <laughs> But you're talking about like soccer relegation? Hell yeah. And Boise is playing Utah State and the winner's gonna get to come to the Pac twelve. Bro, boy but what what does Boise do? Nobody wants to watch Boise on TV. Like That's in terms of in in mass. Nobody wants to watch Arizona on TV or UC nobody wants to watch UCLA in person, George. <laughs> It's true. Damn. How many, okay, like 80% of our conversations aren't you being happy that you could park easily at the Rose Bowl. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey. Oh, God, bro. That is hilarious. Um, uh, before we finish this this talk, Sideline Sports Network, they put out a map and they said, thanks to Pete Thamel's new article on ESPN, the possibility of arguably the stupidest conference to ever exist has entered the realm of possibility, an ACC Pac-12 merger. And that would be Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, and Cal. So it, it's essentially both coasts, like up and down, Plus Kentucky, where where Louisville is, and then every single other piece of the the map not involved. Yeah, yeah, and I, it would be I would tell you like if you think people are struggling to watch Pac twelve now, how about a thirteen to three game between Virginia and Cal? <laughs> like, like uh, just players on the field comparing SAT scores. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, all right. Now, now that the mood is destroyed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is that what, what percentage, what percentage for the remaining Pac-12 teams plus two exist in 2026? Mm. 
Um, wait, 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 wait. What's the what's the question again? What is the what are the odds that in 2026 the pack the ten teams that are left in the Pac-12 are still in some iteration of the Pac-12? All ten. All ten. Give it a two percent chance. Like the milk? What are we even talking? Why do we actually probably? Yeah, yeah, probably two two percent. And I'm being generous. We just spent twenty minutes talking about a thing that you're saying is literally impossible. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well. On to the next thing. (laughs) Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Cal and UCLA and Oregon State have made massive staff moves. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph is looking at me like I like he like he hates it here. Like he's I like do. he is 
Bro, I, I've come to the realization that it's 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 over. It is absolutely over. And we are going to have to rebrand the podcast. It is just going to go all college, college football and we will be, you know, the uh, the uh, tag team version of what Josh Josh Pate's doing, bro. Like, it just is what it is. It's OK. Well, we're the Pac-12 apostles. And I guess that at one point it went down to 11 apostles, right? <laughs> For yeah. Some, and uh, and then and then the 11 kind of went down from there. Yeah, <laughs> like things didn't go really well for a lot of those men uh, in the in the following. So maybe we should not have. Maybe us naming this podcast is what set this whole thing in motion. Yes, that may have been a mistake, but it is. What All right. It is. Well, then now Move. let's pretend everything's fine and get into staff change. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Cal. Oh, Cal made a move. They hired Jake Spavadol as their new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So new, new asterisk. Yes, because he was there with Sonny Dykes as well. But so, and then he was most recently the head coach at Texas state for what? 1920, 21, 22 for four. Yeah. For four seasons before that offensive coordinator and quarterback coach over at West Virginia. So, you think he was at A&M with Kyler and Kyle Allen, too? Okay. Here is here is the thing that – so we both know that Cal's offense has been hot garbage, right? If that wasn't the case, uh, they would not have made multiple changes at offensive coordinator over the last few years. Yeah. They're, they consistently put out a good defense. Justin Wilcock is a good good coach. I'm not sure like it doesn't feel like they put the same energy into recruiting as they need to because you can get kids in Cal. If you can get Deshaun Jackson and um Marshawn Lynch in the Cal, and I'm not saying that they're idiots or anything like that, because they're because because they're not. But you can get them in a cow. Mm, you can you can you can play in the margins a little bit on that 3.0. You know what I mean? You certainly can. I don't know if you saw the Taylor Lewan interview that he he did this week on Bussin' with the Boys. Said he went into his senior season with a 1.6 GPA, went into his final exam of his senior year in Spanish with a 35%. Somehow got into Michigan. Yeah. And somehow. That, yeah, exactly. So so we're not getting ready to sit here and act like that that that, that doesn't go on regularly, right? Mm-hmm. And and so he needs to put a little bit more energy into recruiting. Their offensive line was horrible last year. It was a freeway to the quarterback. So much so that both quarterbacks left. They were like, Mm-mm, I'm not getting. I mean, because we felt bad for the kid last last year. He was getting his teeth kicked in. And now they changed from Bill Musgrave, who was my offensive coordinator at, at uh, Jacksonville my first year. He has good concepts, all of that stuff. I'm not sure whether we're dealing with a situation like went on with Mario Cristobal where he puts his thumb on the offense so much that then it slows things down because they want to play defense a certain way. So they don't want to have three and outs. They're more concerned with ball control than putting points on the board. And now with Jake Spavadol, I am concerned because 
Texas State, where he was the head coach. And remember, he's by by trading offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. So for that, if you're an, I mean, that would that would be like Dan Lanning putting together a terrible defense four years in a row. You see what I'm saying? And Texas yeah. State averaged 21 points a game last year. They were like bottom 10% of all of college football. So this scares me for Cal, if I'm being honest. Are you scared of more of the same? Yes. But he was with uh, Sonny, Sonny Dykes, and all they did was score. So I, I, I'm not sure what to make of it. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because, you know, it is the personnel, it, do they have enough experienced personnel to go out there and be competitive right away? I think they're going to be one of the more fascinating teams of the upcoming season because it, I think on paper, you're like, what are they What are they throwing out there? They were already kind of thin. They lost a bunch of people to the transfer portal. It is wild to lose your quarterback and your backup. Yes. Yep. Like that is that is genuinely wild. I think it speaks to a certain level of um, either dysfunction or mistrust, or maybe it's just Wilcox getting everybody the hell up out of there. But when mm. you've been there long enough, you built the building, and you're going to tear the building down. Like, okay, I mean, I guess that's your prerogative. But at the same time, like, it you're you don't own Cal. You're not Mark the Mark Cuban of Cal. You have bosses, and yeah. if they care, eventually this is going to start to be um, an issue. So, I mean, if they don't have an upswing here, uh, it, it's going to be a problem. Um, he is – Justin Wilcox is is somebody who has a good enough reputation where, where he's probably going to be paid seven figures – 10 seconds after if he was to ever lose that Cal yes, job by some as a defensive to come in and run their defense. Yep. Facts. So he, you know, I think he can operate with a certain level of impunity knowing that he's going to be fine. Um, but I'm concerned for the health of the program for sure. And it, you know, this is kind of an interesting addition for him and we'll see what Spavadol can do. Cause he, you know, he was there once before, um, and maybe that's the best of both worlds because Cal was dissatisfied with with uh, only having an offense and no defense, and now they're dissatisfied with only having a defense and no offense. Maybe this is the peanut butter and jelly. Maybe this is what they need. Ho- hopefully, man, because uh, they they do have a shot <clears throat> and all of that. Um, UCLA, new defensive coordinator, DeAnton Lynn. Who is the son of a man that I that was former Chargers head coach and a man who was our DB coach when I was out in Jacksonville? And this dude is 33 years old, right? So he was born in 1989. He had he played for the Jets for he was on the practice squad, Tiger Hamilton, Hamilton Tiger Cats the next year in 2013. Next year, in 2014, he was a seasonal, mind you, he he got out of college in 2012 out of Penn State. 2014, he was a seasonal intern with the Jets, Buffalo Bills assistant, 15-16, defensive assistant with the Chargers with his uh, pops in 17. 
Houston Texans assistant secondary coach, 19 and 20. I'm sorry, 18, 19. Houston Texans. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then Houston Texans secondary coach in 2020. Raven safety coach in 21, 22. This is a dude who's on his way. I, he's on he he on his way. He's arrived. Yes. He's he is, Well, true. He's the defensive coordinator at Right. Yeah. Right. Uh is this does this kind of surprise you with you know Chip Kelly only wanted to coach with people he'd been around for 33 years and now he's hiring 33-year-olds for one of the most important responsibilities um that there is 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 Chip a changing? Maybe, dude. Maybe it it is this is a positive sign. Obviously, Jerry Azanara was like a thousand years old and Chip's best friend. And now it is time to get to somebody who has young, innovative concepts. He's been in the NFL, which probably means he might t- he might not be there for long <laughs> because guys yeah. who go to the NFL don't typically want to come back to college. Well, the, one of the reasons that they don't want to come back to college is because they'll have to recruit. But Chip Kelly doesn't. All you have to do is go off Chip's chart. Yeah, is the kid is the kid six four with a six eight wingspan, and does he sleep eight and a half hours a night? Is he allergic to shellfish? No, sign him up. <laughs> like you don't you don't even have to go out and find kids. They, if they fit the chart, then that's who you go after. So maybe he won't have to do as much recruiting, and he won't get sick of it. Yeah, um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, how this season works out for them because I thought they underachieved last year by only winning nine games. I thought 10 was the, like the, the number that they needed to win. And this year they start out the season with coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. Uh, that's, San- not, that's not a guaranteed W <sighs> man. Listen, do you, you say LA ain't losing a coastal care Carolina. Okay. Um, then they play at San Diego State. Unless San Diego State has fixed their quarterback problem, UCLA should win that one. Um, North Carolina Central, they better not lose that game. Under that, like, like that's yeah, no. Is that and at home, or am I going to get to see UCLA that, come out to man that play is, HBCU? Yeah, in in a twenty thousand seat stadium. No, it's at the Rose Bowl. So Which, a twenty thousand. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Um, then they play at Rice Eccles. They have a bye week. Now they could win at Rice Eccles, depending on who's quarterbacking, because we know that the, their quarterback has a torn ACL. His third, right? Third, yeah. torn ACL for Cam Rising. Yep. Um, Washington. Then they go Washington State at Oregon State. At Stanford, Colorado, at Arizona, Arizona State, at USC, and Cal. Oh my God, bro! They got it. They got it light. They avoided Oregon and Washington. Are they going to be playing an eighteen-year-old at quarterback? Um, I think Justin Martin might still be eighteen, but but he might be nineteen when the season starts. So it's possible. You think Justin Martin's going to beat out Ethan Garbers and Dante Moore? Yes. I hope so. I like Justin Martin. I like I like all three of those quarterbacks. They the st- what is crazy is there is no excuse for Chip Kelly as far as not having stability at the yeah. quarterback position. I just talked to Justin on Saturday, right? 
when Dante Moore came in and the kid from Kent State, there wasn't even an ion of discussion with him or his family. And I talked to his mom, too, about transferring. That didn't even come up in the conversation. He was like, oh, yeah, bro, bro, bro there's competition. I understand how, how it is. <laughs> They'll see. And and he believes that Chip, which is the most important thing, he believes that Chip will play the best person to win the game. And and he was like, I believe that'll be me. Well, I wish UCLA the best next year, but I honestly don't care if they go 0-12. They're not. Yeah, yeah, they're not Pac-12 pack, pack people anymore. And, and truthfully, even if Oregon and Washington were going to the Big Ten, I wouldn't still care because now, now we're all mercenaries. There's yeah. no there's no back to pack. There's no back to Big Ten. It is kill or be killed at that point. I mean, at the same time, like with UC, USC last year, obviously you were, you were not uh, going out of your way to root for – USC had they brought uh had they brought a natty to the Pac-12 I would have claimed it <laughs> no 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 because they wouldn't have let you claim it okay they would have said no 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 we are USC we are a separate entity we we we, we don't belong to you we but are but they would have been touting their resume as reason for getting in the college football playoff which was or would have been running through the Pac-12 yep all right, uh, Oregon, Oregon State. What did they do? Uh, that says Oregon, I think. Oh, or- yeah. <laughs> oh. Oregon staff on our notes. Oregon State did nothing. They've managed to retain, which is crazy, and defensive and their running back. Yeah. So that maybe that's news in and of itself that Oregon State still has Bray and and and. Uh, what uh, what's their OC's name that is always rumored to be going to Arizona State and never does? They still have everybody, is what I'm saying. Is and so yeah, so nothing for Oregon State. Oregon got a made new, some big changes though. Yeah, officer coordinator Will Will Stein, who came from UTSA. Now, unlike Cal, UTSA had one of the better offenses in the country, and. And like when Washington State just added a Western Kentucky's co-offensive coordinator. So you have people drawing from that is what it it Cal did what they did based on past success. And Oregon and Washington State did what they did based on current success. Yeah. And um, and and Oregon, because um, Adrian Clem left Oregon. And went back to the Patriots. And we also, um, oh, side note, just found out and saw that Gary Bryant is visiting Oregon. I didn't know he was still on the market. He was a really, really big deal coming out of uh, coming out of high school. Just didn't fit into Lincoln Riley's plans, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so Oregon then had to find... Uh, a new offensive line coach and they went with a, a young, a young man, a young man. They went with Alik Terry who had been an assistant there previously. He was former grad assistant and now he's their offensive line coach. 
Now, so or- why to, can you explain to me why so many former Oregon players were like, oh, they they cashed in with this one? Because I don't even know who Elite Terry is. Yeah, and they did bring in Mike Cavanaugh to oversee him. Yes, Mike Cavanaugh's like been doing this for thirty years. He was at ASU for the last few years. But like, what is it about Elite Terry that has like Panay Sewell and all these other people saying that 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 Oregon like because leveled they thought up? He was smart. I think he's smart. He's energetic. And clearly, he's going to connect on the recruiting level, on the recruiting trail. Because when players respond like that, that means that recruits are going to respond with that same energy, too. So this is, I mean, this is a guy that like Calvin Throckmorton and Shane Lemieux and Panay Sewell are all like. Yeah, all the, all, the, all the NFL guys swear by him. Interesting. So, listen, so with, with that and then adding Kavanaugh, you would believe that there is a high chance for success. Obviously, nothing is guaranteed, but, you know, and, and Oregon this year is going to be sporting a new offensive line. But that kind of hasn't really mattered because they've recruited well. They've gotten good guys out of the portal. They've got a b- bunch of guys who are in the NFL and guys that are going to the NFL. So, you know. All right. We'll see. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The new Heisman odds are out. And... Caleb Williams is plus 400, best odds. Drake May, second best odds. Tied for third are Jordan Travis, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr. And and then Brock Brock Vandegriff, and then Quinn Ewers, and Clayton Kate Klubnik. What are we doing here? This is interesting because, so we have on the Heisman Odds. Oh, and Jaden Daniels plus 2,000 because we do have to pay attention to good old Jaden. There's zero chance Jaden Daniels is winning a Heisman. They're not going to give a quarterback that throws 18 touchdowns in a season a Heisman just because he rushes for 12 touchdowns. If they go undefeated, maybe, but like, I just, that's not, those aren't the kind of like stats that get you. I think he may get invited to the ceremony. If he does what he did last year again, I. Still don't know because some of these guys put up crazy numbers. But so with three of the top five are in the Pac-12. Three of the top five are in the Pac-12. I think that's huge, right? Yep. Um, What's interesting about this is that Bo Nix and Jordan Travis, two Kenny Dillingham guys that Kenny Dillingham doesn't coach anymore. Do we think that maybe Arizona State, one of their 50 million quarterbacks that came in, should be included on this list somewhere uh, is Kenny Dillingham, the quarterback whisperer, because it's crazy. That's people had given up on, on, on Jordan Travis and Bo Nix. And now they're two of the top five in the, in the Heisman odds leading into 2023. Yeah. What do they have in common? Mm. Yeah, you are. You are right about that. I Now the question is, can is Caleb Williams talented enough to win the Heisman trophy again? Absolutely. With one hand tied behind his back, probably, yes. He's a freak. The problem is, is that the Heisman has typically gone like something in that second year when you win it early, it just doesn't go right. The I mean, like even when you still have a very successful season like Lamar Jackson did the, the next year or Matt Leiner mm-hmm. did or um, who whoever else, because there have been they- a bunch of people that have gotten invited to the ceremony a second time. But the voters want to be surprised. Yes. And you can't surprise somebody when you're the defending Heisman winner. It's very hard to surprise. Yeah, like you have to go over and above, which was a stupid season last year. And it makes it like it's very difficult to outdo it. And and if you even even when you look at Archie Griffin's numbers, the numbers his second year weren't that great comparison to the first time he won it. So so people were voting that year like, oh, he's the best player. Yeah. And now you're going to always have somebody that is going to have a stellar season on a on a Max Duggan type team or something like that. Like a guy that comes that wasn't at the ceremony last year. So you might have Michael Penix Jr., who we all expect to have another good, good year. Right. But but what typically happens? Ankle sprain, uh, you know, 
wide receivers get hurt. The defense plays bad. You drop a couple games. Like it, you it doesn't necessarily mean that the player didn't play as well or wasn't fan fantastic. It just means that you just had such an outlier season. And then imagine that, right? Imagine Caleb Williams doing what he does and having a season that's comparable to last year. But then USC drops two or three games. And then you have Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Nix do the exact same thing stat-wise, that Caleb Williams did last year. Who is going to win in that scenario? One of those I, two dudes. Yeah, I agree with you. I And I do think that the voters just want to be they, – they want to be surprised. All So these odds do no favors to Caleb Williams. He's going to have to play perfect. He is so good that he's capable of it. And so that's one of those things where it's like maybe I, yeah. I could absolutely see him repeating, and I think he deserves to be the favorite. Yeah, Drake May – Drake May is on this as somebody who, you know, that North Carolina offense is very friendly, but Drake May is almost on here as like who people believe will be a top five NFL. Correct. Player. Correct. You know, whereas I see Michael Penix, Bo Nix and Jordan Travis, and I'm like, oh, those guys all have the chance to be the best college football player. But, you you know, for a fact, oh, sorry, I, you mean the best quarterback of the season, not necessarily the best football player. Uh, right. Right. You are correct. Um Man, it, this is it, it's it's fascinating because uh, I, there's not too many people. Usually, I'll have two or three guys that are in the back of my head as you know. This is a guy that could absolutely go off. Uh, I do love Mikey Keene at Fresno State, but no one's ever going to give anybody at Fresno State a Heisman, bro. Um, bro, do you realize what? So, so Fresno State would have to be ranked inside the top fifteen. So that means they would have to yeah. go eleven and one plus the conference championship, twelve and one, and he would have to have the most ridiculous season that has ever happened. Yes. I am aware. <laughs> I am definitely He would have aware. to throw for like 60 touchdowns and five interceptions and his team be and and have like 10 Heisman moments. What would hey, has it ever happened where like there's no FCS players allowed, right? Correct. That, okay. Correct cuz they cuz they have their own Heisman. Because I'm just thinking, like, what if Sam Heward comes out and. Oh, over at Cal Poly? Yeah. Kills it? Yeah. That'd be or, but, or, or what if DJU lives up to his five-star ranking under the under the tutelage of Jonathan Smith at Oregon State? He could. He's a, he, he's a guy that could not be on that list and then be on the list. Do you know who's not on the list that, that I'm fascinated by because they usually have bait names? Uh, guys that that have a big name that they just want you to cast a bet toward. Like to me, Devin Brown is on this list as a bait name because he could win the job at Ohio State. Therefore, someone's gonna yeah. gonna post a plus. Somebody's gonna put bet. yeah. Someone somebody's gonna put nice money. I'm sorry. Somebody's gonna put up nice stats. Whoever's the I, quarterback at Ohio State is gonna put up good stats. I might do it. You and I will be in Vegas this weekend. I might put money on Devin Brown just because five thousand to one. Why not? But like. There, I'm surprised Shador Sanders' name isn't on here just as a bait name. That's ooh, that's a fact, Jack. That's a good call, right? He definitely should be on it. But Colorado was so freaking bad last year, bro. They were bad. They were bad. You are correct. I cannot. Refute oh, can that. I talk about the energy at Colorado right now? Wait, are you talking about like from in person? Yes. 
Yeah, go ahead. First of all, the stadium is amazing. Like it's inside of a building. I had never been to Colorado. I've only seen games there. They weren't in the Pac-12 when I was in the Pac-10. I played Colorado, but we played them in the Fiesta Bowl. Obviously, understand their fans are tremendous. They wilted campus away the cool. Yeah, campus is cool. They wilted away the program, giving coaches one year deals, and like they they did a bunch of administrative nonsense. But when you go in there, you can feel the energy. Everybody is walking around there, like Willie Taggart said, with an enthusiasm that is unknown to mankind. <laughs> it, it is, or and that Jim Harbaugh says the same thing. Their their energy is wild. Like everybody is excited to be there, <clears throat> and that's why I talked about. Um, like some some people asked me, they said, "So, do you think Dion's going to be able to win there this this year? What do you think their record is going to be?" And I was thinking, like, I feel it doesn't feel right to give them a record for a prediction. That the most important thing that needs to happen for Dion in Colorado this year is to keep hope alive. That, that they need to, at the end of the, because there's a lot of hope around there with season tickets, everything else. Yeah. Number one, they need to not get blown out. Aside from if they play, you know, like maybe Oregon or Washington or USC, like that can kind of be the only ways that you get blown out. They need and, to not get blown out just because I don't want to find out who Dion is. After a seven <laughs> touchdown blowout loss, ooh, ooh, ooh. Let, let USC put up, let let them win like fifty to seventeen. Mm. I mean, b- because the the beginning of his season, bruh, that is not for play. Like, so they have at TCU, which is going to be a tough game because it's in Fort Worth. Then they play Nebraska, who's going to be significantly better. And Nebraska hates Colorado and always has. Yep. Both of those two teams wish they were still in the same conference together. They hate each other. Yep. And then they play Colorado State, which is right down the street from them. Went to, went to both schools. Colorado State's offense, they uh, and uh, how Mummy is the OC, they literally run what Leach runs. Because his dad and Leach did this air raid thing. Then they play at Oregon and then USC. Is there a team that has a tougher start to the season than that? I don't think so. But that is insane. And then they play. Did you say they play in Lincoln? No, 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 no. They play. Well, if it was in Lincoln, then like guarantee. I'm like, wow, they really have to go to the a team that played in the college football playoff, they're going to have crazy energy. Then they have to go to Lincoln. Then they have to go to Eugene. That's insanity. But so, no, playing so at home what do you think their first that stadium is going to be red? Yeah. So what is, and then they play at ASU, which is going to have a lot of energy too. So For sure. their first six games, TCU, and they have no bye weeks in between TCU, Nebraska, Colorado state at Colorado, at, at Oregon, USC at Arizona State. What will their record be after the first six games? I think it will be two and four. I think two and four is Which two? surviving. Which two? I think they beat Colorado State, even though I can guarantee you Jay Norvell is stays up at night thinking about beating Colorado. I, get, yep. I guarantee you that Jay Norvell sees 
Deion Sanders got that job after Jay Norvell put in 35 years in this profession and wants to beat Deion Sanders. I guarantee you Jay Norvell thinks about this every day. Guarantee Yes. yes. I do think they beat Colorado State, though, because that program is not in good shape. And, uh, gosh, Nebraska's not good. So to me, that's a toss up and ASU is a toss up. So two toss ups, I'll give them one win. So to me, that's two and four, two and four, I think would be considered surviving. They do have Travis Hunter. Would you like to name somebody that can cover him or that can, uh, well, and, and they, and they got a freshman and they got a freshman too. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Cormani McLean, McLean, Cormani McLean. Yeah. And if he's half the player Travis Hunter is, then that's one of the most talented defensive backfields in the country. Yep. So they're going to be in some of these games. I do not have, there's a lot of people that doubt Shadur. I don't. I think he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be great. See, here, here, here's the thing that I truly believe, right? Is that there is going to be a learning curve for Dion out in, in Boulder. There's going to be a learning curve. There's a big difference from going to play in Jackson State in terms of schemes that work, all of this stuff, to when you come into Pac-12. Because at Jackson State, his teams were more talented by year two than everybody else that they played against, right? Like, they always had the most talented team. But when you go into the Pac-12 and you play Nebraska – and you play TCU, your team is not going to be the most talented team week in and week out. It's just not. And you're probably only going to have the most talented team probably three games on your schedule this year. I'm talking about with the talent assembled this year. Maybe three games. Yeah. He's he's probably thinking they're going to be 5-1, and 6-0. He doesn't think like that. So... Well, well, if if I were him, I wouldn't be thinking about the damn record. I'm I'm grinding, trying to just yeah. But but that's for us to talk about. Yeah, I, all I know is Nebraska fans are gonna they're gonna buy up every seat in Boulder, and then yep. he's gonna have to go out to Eugene, and you give Eugene fans a reason to be that loud in that stadium that early in the season. Yep, that's gonna be interesting. Oh yeah, it's. I'm I can I'm thrilled that Colorado is relevant. And Dion did that. Like when he goes to LA, LA loves stars. They'll, people are gonna come out to see Colorado. They are. Yep. Exactly. They they are gonna go. Um now, what other big transfers do we need to talk about within the conference or well, I, DJ, first of all, I want to get into the Jaden Rashada thing because I don't think we've we've recorded oh, a show okay. since all that went down. Did I miss that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I did miss y- that. You know, you, you're you close to the situation, so I don't, you know, it is what it is. But I feel like the media has done a pretty decent job outside of one athletic article that I thought was highly irresponsible. They had Ari Wasserman out at the uh, um, Elite 11. Yeah, the Elite 11 finals in Tennessee. Uh, as a as a, a reporter, and then they say that an athletic reporter reported seeing Jaden Rashada crying, 
But like, why would you hide your own reporter as a source in your story? So I, I have I have issues with the athletic for that. Uh, I thought that the, was cornball shit from the athletic. The same way that they decided to when they wrote an article about Russell Wilson this last week said, um, said from the athletic staff with yeah. inflammatory stuff in it. Oh, yeah. so, so why? I, I also, it's the public's job to tell you whether or not you did a good job. And one of the things that I'm sick of from the athletic is like, they'll put out an article, which is their job, literally their job. And then all of them will get on a podcast together and pat each other on the back. Yep. Before the reaction to what they did even happens, like, can you believe that we were able to put this together? Yeah, dude, it's your job. It's yes, literally exactly. your job to yep. to write things. Um, and so you know they they just kind of exist in this in this circle jerk bubble. And it's it, it, but the Jaden Rashada thing, you know, they had the numbers. They didn't want to implicate Darren. They couldn't implicate Darren Heitner, but Darren Heitner came off looking pretty terrible. Um. If some the the thing that I appreciated was it seems that the overwhelming majority of the reaction from even people with with non-functioning brains was that if somebody offers you thirteen million dollars, you're going to agree to it. Yes. So that's it, and then when that money's not there, then it is what it is. You told me this was happening before it ever went down. Um, yep. And the fact that he ended up at Arizona is Arizona state is interesting because Arizona state's got a bunch of quarterbacks. Well, here, here is the, here is the thing that I have learned over the last two months. And I will detail this <laughs> a lot more after my son signs his, his uh, letter of intent. Um, and because there have been some things like there is a there there is one coach that I know very well, right? His office coordinator wanted to his office coordinator and quarterbacks coach wanted to offer my son a scholarship. That head coach he approves all of the offers that go out. Turn on the film. Oh, is that wait? Is this kid related to George Reister? Yes. Oh no, we're we're not even looking at this kid. We're not even looking at this kid because he didn't like something that I said about him on which was and you know who this is. So do you think I said anything unfair or untrue about him or his program? No, no, I don't. But I also understand that people are sensitive. And yeah. if if you are sensitive, then, you know that that's going to be the result. So to take it out on your, but kid, I've also called him as a good, but I've also said he's a good coach too. Yeah. But to take it out on your kid or to take it out on yourself by not giving yourself the best opportunity to win, um, would reinforce maybe saying some additional things about that coach. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to be totally obvious <laughs> about it. So, uh, but but we will have this conversation at a later date for sure. But I'm sh I'm sure Harlan Rashada has a million stories about how crazy this whole thing was. Well, and, and, I'm and sure people, as a father, he wanted the best for his son. Period. Yeah, and people would, would like on different message boards constantly said, "Oh, it's about the money with the Rashadas. It's about the money that that it matters." But the thing is, if you have value. When is it not about the money? Like, like when, when you're going to go get a job and you're trying to figure out the optimal place for you to work at, 
obviously everybody wants to be in a geographically desirable location. For some people, that's Iowa. Some people, it's Florida. Some people, it's New York. Some people, it's California. So geographically desirable with good work conditions, right? So like those are, and where your family is going to be happy, like that those are the three constants. But now the differentiator between those, which adds a sliding scale to some of those metrics is money. So, so if you have value, so for anybody who says, oh, it shouldn't be about the money. If you have value, why would you go somewhere that may be equal in your mind to another place for free? Well, just think about it this way. Let's take a guy like Bajan Robinson, right? This is one of the most talented running backs I've ever seen. And yes, I'm being a homer about it, but also objectively, he is up there. Yeah, for sure. All-time leader in yards per carry at University of Texas. Do you know how many no. running backs have gone through University of Texas? Yes, you have like, uh, Ricky Williams. Uh, oh, the, the 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 kid in Carolina this year. Uh, Cedric Benson. Yeah. Like they've had dudes after dude after dude after What's dude. What's the dude in Carolina now? Um, Well, Carolina has a. Uh, no, besides Hubbard. No, Dante the, Foreman. Dante yes, Foreman. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, you know, let's say that the best thing for Bajan's career long term for the next 40 years of his life would be to slip to 27 and go to Buffalo. Yeah. Let's say that that's okay. the best thing for his career. Okay. Do you think that that means that Bajan, if a team calls and says, we're going to take you at nine, that Bajan would be like, actually, I was hoping to fall to 27. <laughs> no. Right. You so you immediately are like, God, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Exactly. Right. So why is it not different for Jaden Rashada for University of Florida to come to him and say, We think you're the most valuable quarterback in the country. We're gonna prove it. When you say, like, well, actually, I think it's probably better for my future to not get more money in college than most quarterbacks make over their rookie deal. Yeah. And the reality is, is that if the money gets paid out and that's part of the thing that I wanted to talk about, about this is that. So there are some schools and the, the, and I know that people are going to say I'm a homer and all this stuff. Right. But one of the schools that recruits consistently talk about that is doing well in NIL is the University of Oregon. They are not having kids on the campus unhappy. And one of the things that makes and granted, there are other schools that are paying some some of their kids more money than they are at Oregon. So I'm not denying that. However, one of the things that sets expectations and frustrations is unfulfilled promises. And Oregon has not been making unfulfilled promises. You have USC, whose collective, from what I understand, paid out. Uh, Caleb Williams, like $15,000 last year, the, that, that the Boulevard, which is now since the now since is the defunct Boulevard, it's gone. They're trying to create a new one with Keyshawn Johnson and Alex Holmes. So, so their collective is done. Like there's so many of these ones that were promising kids money and all this stuff and the money ain't showed up. 
So you are going to see, and, and th- th- this is why when people freaked out, oh, inducements, inducements. Listen, the market will correct itself because these are shrewd businessmen and they are not just going to keep throwing good money after bad. And right. now and Arizona State might blow this, but their current strategy is retention over inducement Yep. so that you actually can come to campus and have people say like, yeah, this is what I got for coming back for year two or year three. Yep. Like, exactly. I think that that's probably the the future of this. Yes. Strategy, but the money has to be there. People are promising money that that's not cash in hand. Yes, correct. And they're doing it based on investment portfolios that go up and go down. It's very possible that money is promised to kids based on what people thought that cryptocurrency was going to do. All of a sudden, Sam Free Bankman or whatever his name is, is behind bars. You know, the markets change. You don't have the, the cash that you said to have. So what's going to go? Your promise is going to go. Yep. Right. You've dealt with this just even at the high school level. You've dealt with this of seeing people make big cash promises and not, you know, and, and, and situation changes. This stuff happens. So you have to understand that like what somebody says they have in an NIL collective, unless it's cash on hand is completely meaningless. You are 100% right. 100% right. It is, it is fool's gold. And it just doesn't work, man. It just does not work at all. Um, But uh, yeah, so we are going to see some drastic changes. So don't you get your little panties in a bunch, people? Yeah. Let's, uh, since we do, we went long on on, on Rashada. Do you th- how, how, you think he's going to be okay at Arizona State? Yeah. I think it's a good situation for him. Yeah, it is. He turned down TCU. They uh, they visited Arizona State, TCU, and what other school? And they did like so. And it was funny because when people were like, oh, Washington is his most like he was like, yo, we ain't even heard from Washington. Yeah. Like on that on that level at all. So that 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 was just hogwash. But yeah, since we went long on Rashada, let's get into transfers next time. Okay, tune in next week or two weeks from now or whenever we record. But it's it's a long off season. You got to let us have our personal lives. We don't even know if this conference is coming back. It's the end of the world party. We're up on the roof like Independence Day with a sign yes. saying, welcome. <laughs> welcome, people. Welcome. All right. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amston. This is the Pac-12 Apostles. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.